Hi, I'm uh, Marius Halgua. I'm a fan of uh, Gymnastic de Tarragona. Hi, Marius. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And Marius, you just want to tell everyone what it is that you do for work? Uh, my uh, work is uh, uh, as a union representative for uh, the labor union for uh, state employees uh, in uh, Norway. And uh, in my spare time, I, uh, besides watching football, I uh, spend a lot of time uh, playing bass trombone in uh, wind bands and orchestra. That's interesting. And uh, have you been playing that uh, a long time? Uh, I've been playing since I was a child, yes. Started uh, in a school band uh, when I was uh, around eight or nine. So Marius, my first and most important question, how and why Gymnastic de Tarragona? In uh, 2006, I was uh, visiting uh, Spain with uh, a band. I had an extra job as administrator for... uh, uh, It was a band with young people from the entire country where I lived at the time. And uh, uh, Tarragona was one of the cities we visited. And I uh, simply fell in love with the town. It uh, was an amazing place, and uh, at the time I didn't support any Spanish teams. And uh, this also coincided with with a pretty good uh, time for the team. They were playing, uh, they had been playing in La Liga. Uh, I don't remember if that was the 2005-06 season or the 2006-07, but they uh, was up there, and uh, so... Uh, I decided uh, to start following them. And a few years later, I uh, revisited the, the, the city and, and uh, then also got to uh, go to a match because the first uh, visit was in the middle of the summer. So there uh, was no football. But uh, then I went for a winter trip and uh, got to see a match uh, in the Segunda División, uh, the second level of uh, Spanish football. Where are they now? In what division? Uh, they are now playing in the third level, uh, Segunda B. Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, last season was cancelled uh, midway because of the pandemic, and uh, I think Gymnastic de Tarragona was one of the teams not crying for that because they had a horrible season. They were still in the bottom of the third level. So uh, I know the the next uh, they restarted uh, a new season and uh, things look a little better now so I'm hoping for a return to the second level because that makes it so much easier to follow them uh, from ab- abroad that was going to be my next question how are you watching them at the moment uh, on the third level I'm uh, not watching them uh, at the, because uh, not all matches are uh, are broadcast right uh, so if I if I find a stream, I uh, try to uh, set off time to see it. But um, when they were playing in the, at the second level, it was so much easier because the league is uh, streamed for free, totally legally on YouTube. Mm. So uh, it was really, really simple. Uh, besides, the local radio in Tarragona uh, is uh, bro- broadcasting all, uh, all matches okay. on the web. But that is in Catalan, so and I don't speak uh, neither Catalan or Spanish, uh, so uh, it's quite uh, limited uh, what I get to hear for uh, uh, what uh, I get out of uh, listening to this web bro- broadcast. But uh, at least I get uh, information about scoring. And Tarragona is is part of Catalonia. 
Yes, it's yeah, it's about uh, one hour with the train. And uh, my impression from my visits there is that everyone is even more uh, Catalan uh, than they are in Barcelona. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So they're quite close to Barcelona. Yeah. So uh, I guess most people in the town they know that gymnastic is a smaller club and uh, they cheer for uh, Barcelona in. The big uh, tournaments. Uh, you put up an interesting picture of them having a friendly with Barcelona quite recently, before the beginning of this season. They played a preseason uh, game against uh, Barcelona, and that was uh, that was streamed uh, online with Catalan uh, television. Uh, so uh, and uh, possible to watch from abroad. So the, I got to see mo- most of that match. Uh, it was great finally watching them again they, they lost the game but uh, who doesn't lose against Barcelona when they're playing in the third level so uh, but I think it was a great uh, a great test before the season and uh, so it's only a shame that there couldn't be any spectators uh, this is a club I could find very little information about in English and you had warned me about that you told me that I'm going to be using a lot of Google Translate and I did most of it but if you can tell me a little bit yeah uh, the club was uh, pretty old it was uh, started in the late uh, 1800s as a, um, as a gymnastics club as their name uh, maybe reveals uh, as well uh, and then later started a football uh, department and uh, they always been playing uh, in the second and third uh, levels and uh, okay. some seasons in the top level now and then they had a pretty good period in the 50s and also one of their claims to fame is that when real madrid opened their new stadium santiago bernabeu mm-hmm. uh, they had an uh, enormous long spell of uh, wins at uh, home and the first team ever to beat real madrid at santiago bernabeu that was uh, gymnastic de tarragona and uh, they and they are still the only team ever to do that, uh, to beat uh, Real Madrid at Santiago Bernabeu in their first attempt. Brilliant. So uh, <laughs> that is quite funny. Have you been there regularly to see the games? Uh, it's been, I've been, uh, I've been planning to go back. Uh, I've only been there once uh, okay. so far. Uh, I've been planning to go back, but then the pandemic made a uh, stop for those plans so uh right. but it's it's on my list when when I can start traveling again who is your club legend yeah club legend uh, i've always been a bit fascinated in a way by uh, the fact that uh, a player that uh, had been playing in the norwegian uh, league uh, had been playing there he wasn't there for a very long time but he was quite a figure when playing in norway Okay, uh, and that is the Swedish Tobbe Gram, Tobias Gram, who was had uh, some time there. He uh, after he played in the La Liga season, and uh, when they got uh, demoted, he um, he went on loan to uh, Hertha Berlin, and, oh, okay. Uh, okay. and never to return. I guess he would maybe would have returned if they got direct back up again, but they didn't. So the other thing I wanted to uh, ask you about was a player who you felt deserved a bit more praise. 
the goalkeeper for some seasons, Manolo Reina. He was an amazing guy. He uh, he got much praise, but I think he could have been really playing at higher levels. And uh, it was almost so that the defense could do whatever they wanted. If they made a penalty, it didn't matter because uh, Manolo uh, no, uh, saved. Wow. He had uh, he had an excellent statistics for saving uh, penalties. It was almost crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've always been worried when my club uh, get uh, a penalty against them. But with uh, Manolo Reina in goal, uh, it was just so what. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to save. <laughs> So uh, he's he's playing in uh, Mallorca now uh, as a goalkeeper, uh, but he was in uh, gymnastic from uh, 2013 to 17. A few years ago, also in my local uh, club in the Norwegian uh, fifth level, they had a goalkeeper with over 50% saves in uh, penalties. Wow. So, of course, this was in the fourth level, yeah. uh, no, fifth level, but uh, still, that is uh, quite a... It's quite a feat, yeah. Quite a statistic. Yeah, yeah, especially now, this new handball rule. You see, yeah, there are there are so many penalties. Um, yeah. It's a little unfair now on, on goalkeepers, I feel. I see uh, so many, yeah, and I see so many... Uh, Defense players, when there are set pieces and also in play, trying to play with their hands almost tied in the, the back of their body to avoid uh, any trouble. Contact, yeah. So, uh, I, I found it interesting because, um, and, and I, I don't know if you have noticed this, but Italian defenders, their natural instinct is to tuck their hands behind always. And I find the other yeah. leagues are mm. a little, uh, little more open, but... The Italian defenders are the ones who who have been doing this much before the hand handball rule uh, was as open. Oh, as it I, is now. I haven't noticed uh, that, but uh, you might be right. Uh, uh, I think uh, Ital- Italy has um, they have always been pioneers in yeah. uh, developing the defense role. Other countries have been uh, trying to develop uh, other parts of the field, but in Italy, uh, defense has been a much more valued skill than in many other uh, leagues. You said that you're a fan of many teams. Any Italian teams in that bunch? Uh, I've been following uh, Juventus in uh, Italy, so (laughs) I'm uh, quite mainstream there. (laughs) (laughs) So my next question is a game that left you elated? And a game that left you disappointed? Uh, as a, I've only been watching them once. And uh, that was a very special experience. They were struggling at the bottom of the second uh, league then. This was back in 2010. Okay. And I was seated on uh, the on the long side of the stadium, uh, quite close to the... Um, to the benches where the players and the coaches were. And nice. uh, a few rows ahead of me was uh, two men, I guess they were father and son, one about 30 years, the other about 60. Mm. And every time the coach uh, moved uh, within hearing range from them, they started yelling at him. Uh, really, I did. as I said, I don't understand Catalan, but he was, uh, it was no... 
you don't have to be a linguistics expert uh, to understand that uh, it was not the nice things they were yelling at him. And uh, Nastik lost uh, the game and and the following Monday, the coach was fired. So uh, it seems like uh, those two guys were not the only ones uh, mad at him. <laughs> so that was uh, really a mem- uh, never-ending memory, even though... Uh, the game was a loss. Otherwise, uh, when they um, the last time they got promoted from the third level to the second level, uh, I was following text updates from the start of the game, right. and then I had to board board an airplane. Okay. So I was uh, sitting in the plane for a little over an hour and wondering how is it going? How is it going? So when we landed, I immediately uh, turned on my telephone and uh, saw that they had been promoted so I could uh, start sharing. <laughs> In Norway, I um, I follow a team called uh, Tromsø, currently playing at the second level, but uh, for the last 40 years, they've been uh, mostly in the top level. And in... Um, 2015, they were playing uh, at home in the second last round of the series. And we were in the position that if we win this game, we don't get relegated. And before the match, uh, during uh, the when the teams was uh, entering the ground, I had been placed uh, on the side of the pitch uh, by the supporters club with a giant flag to wave when the, the players were entering. Uh, and it was a horrible weather. It was raining uh, crazy and uh, a really strong wind. So uh, keeping this uh, giant flag up was a real struggle. And um, and the camera guys picked up my struggle with the flag. So it was broadcast. Oh. And, uh, and afterwards, part the comedy show about football picked up this. Uh, footage of me struggling with uh, waving the flag in the strong winds uh, and uh, this uh, quite funny ex-footballer hosting the show was uh, laughing his uh, heart out of this. And after that, the clip went viral. So um, suddenly my Facebook exploded with notifications. Uh, I couldn't use Facebook for, for three days because every time I opened it, uh, I had uh, 400 notifications. And uh, so if someone had been writing something else to me, I would never see that because it was droning. And uh, we got so much uh, positive attention from that. It was uh, really fun. All national media was uh, showing the clip and uh, also some of the international uh, web pages like... Uh, 101 great goals had picked it up. So at one time, their three top uh, feature stories was uh, something about Jose Mourinho, something about Wayne Rooney, and the clip with me struggling with the flag. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was uh, really fun. So the following uh, weekend, I went for an uh, away game uh, in Haugesund. And then I experienced like uh, 12-year-olds coming up to me. Whoa, it's you. Can I have a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you gave and them it's one. It, 
Yeah, of course. Uh, it's the, and it still happens. Someone re- recognizes me from that. I don't. Uh, it's not as often that people ask me for selfies, but uh, it happens that I'm asked. Uh, oh, was you the guy with the flag at Alfheim Stadium? It's uh, funny. With uh, Tromsø is the modernmost uh, professional football team in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah you're uh, really far north. Not um, the clubs. Um, uh, one of their biggest matches ever was against uh, Chelsea in the 1997 Cup Winners' Cup, I think it was then. Uh, and um, it was in uh, November and it was uh, snowing, lots of snow uh, on the ground. And it was uh, it's totally crazy match that Tromsø won for uh, to three. At home to Chelsea, and uh, the next week they got battered in London. Uh, but uh, still, uh, the the, photo, the images from the match in Tromsø are iconic, and uh, I still see uh, now and then English English media writing uh, stories about when Chelsea went to uh, Tromsø to play in the snow. When I first got in touch with you. I said, hi, Marius, how are you doing? And you said, uh, hi, I'm, I'm doing well. And then you sent me a picture. You were you were in Sweden and at some, what was it, ninth division, you said? Uh, yeah, it was the ninth level in Sweden. Uh, because uh, there, are, uh, there are so many restrictions between countries, to travel between countries now during the pandemic. But uh, the neighboring region in Sweden was... Uh, uh, I could go there without having to be quarantined when I returned home. At the time, I figured out at the match on that level, there are going to be, what, 25 people. Uh, it's no uh, infection hazard if I don't go near anyone. And uh, like with 25 people, that's no, it's no problem keeping to myself. Right. Right, right. So, uh, so I went over the border and watched uh, two games uh, at the same uh, day. It's, it was one and a half hour driving with my car, so it's uh, not uh, very long. It's not very long to the border. Uh, so uh, I spend uh, in a normal year. I watch a lot of grassroots football, the low levels. Uh, try to visit as many stadiums as possible, as uh, ground hopping is all about. Um, and uh, this year, naturally, due to the pandemic in Norway, all uh, all uh, leagues beneath the third, uh, the three top ones was is played, but uh, everything below is uh, cancelled. So it's uh, really, and that combined with it being practically impossible, uh, traveling abroad, uh, I've made the, uh, hard to to keep up with uh, that this year. I've been uh, watching a few uh, uh, under 19s uh, games because under 19s and younger have been allowed playing, uh, right. but uh, not uh, for the senior uh, league. Ground hopping is a real passion of yours. Yeah, you rattled off a list of countries. You said uh, Romania, Germany, Sweden, Denmark. Uh, am I missing anything? How many countries and how many grounds in the last year before the pandemic? Uh, yeah, in total, I've been uh, watching in 11 countries. Uh, wow. And uh, for me, living in uh, Norway, which is in the, the northwestern Europe, uh, the most exotic has been uh, Romania in southeast Europe. I've been there twice for some um, organized uh, trips uh, called uh, Football in Heaven 
It's nice. uh, yeah, it's a journalist uh, from uh, Romania organizing everything, uh, booking a bus, uh, making a schedule for watching as many games as possible, trying to get the local football authorities to uh, reschedule games, making it possible to watch several games in one day. And uh, so uh, the only things I as a participant had to do was uh, booking uh, the flight, booking hotels and uh, and uh, paying some uh, a share of the cost for the bus. So, um, yeah, it's been a real experience. So uh, I hope he continues to arrange his tours uh, after the pandemic and uh, I will uh, surely uh, try to uh, go to Romania again. I've also been in connection with work. I've been uh, traveling to uh, Riga in Latvia, to Gdansk in Poland and... uh, when I had these travels, I've been um, I've uh, booked some extra days on my own yeah. cost and uh, tried to watch some football uh, in the weekend before the work and uh, such. Brilliant! It sounds also, amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is an excellent way to see a country in a different way. Uh, I don't uh, spend uh, I don't spend as much time watching the big uh, tourist attractions, but uh, I feel I get to see to see a more genuine part of the country. Uh, so, and I've also been uh, some weekend trips to uh, Germany and Netherlands, where I tried to make my own schedule for uh, some days. And it's uh, also uh, amazing. You were telling me about your job of being a union representative. Before that, you worked in film preservation. Uh, yeah, uh, at the National Library in uh, Norway, I was working in the film preservation department and um, it was a really interesting uh, job, uh, but I also was uh, the, the local union rep at, uh, at the office and uh, after several years as that, I got elected as a, uh, to a national position and uh, got an unpaid leave uh, from uh, the National Library. But uh, doing Film preservation is, uh, as I said, quite interesting. I get to see lots of, <laughs> lots of, lot of boring uh, material, uh, but also some really interesting uh, things, both uh, feature films, commercials, uh, and documentaries, not least uh, like these uh, film reviews that were from before everyone had the television. The cinemas were showing uh, these newsreels every week. They got a new newsreel every week and uh, showed before the other films. And uh, that was the only way for people to get the the news that wasn't printed or on the radio. They got to see what was happening. So... uh, it was quite popular, and uh, the National Library of Norway have been uh, restoring lots of those to uh, to make them possible to be seen by uh, by the coming uh, generations as well as a historical document. Brilliant! You miss it? Yeah. Film preservation? Mm. Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, so it was a great job, and I'll probably return to it sometime. But uh, I also love. Uh, the job I'm doing now, so uh, it's, uh, it's great in different ways, and uh, yeah. I look forward to the day when I go back to uh, to my ordinary job, as I usually call it. My hometown uh, is Moirana in 
It's in the northern parts of Norway. Uh, and uh, when I got this uh, national union position, I uh, I had to move to uh, because my, the office was in the capital. But uh, uh, one day I'm going to move back north. It's uh, it's a different nature. It's a different uh, climate, and uh, I'm uh, I really like it up there. Uh, my parents are starting to uh, get to age, so uh, I'll, uh, they need some help uh, after, uh, in time. So it will be, it will be great living uh, close to them. And of course, uh, of course, I have lots of friends there uh, that I'm uh, still keeping in touch with, and it will be nice to see them more often as well. But uh, I'm not sure when that will be. It might be in 2022. Oh. Uh, so what's life like but, uh, in in the north? Muirama is a town with around twenty thousand inhabitants. It's uh, it's of course it's not big in a global scale, but uh, in uh, by Norwegian conditions, it's a medium medium sized uh, city. Uh, it's a nice place. You have the stories you need. You have cinemas. You have uh, and you have uh, football teams. Uh, not anyone uh, good uh, at the moment, but uh, <laughs> uh, my local team that I mentioned there, they were playing in the fourth level in the 2018 season. Uh, in Norway, we have uh, calendar year seasons oh. from uh, from April to October, usually. Uh, then they was uh, part of a fusion with the other club in the town. Uh, but it wasn't an uh, economical success. Everyone was hoping the fusion was going to uh, to be. But uh, there, um, so uh, both clubs have been starting up new uh, teams to play uh, at the bottom uh, level uh, again. But uh, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, as I said. Uh, this year, there was no uh, grassroots football due to the pandemic. The next season will uh, show us what is happening. I think will be quite important for quite important for football to see when when do we get a vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Because as we all know, most uh, leagues don't don't allow spectators or just a very limited number. Uh, in Norway, no, the limit is six hundred in the top leagues, and that. That is, uh, if you can keep a distance of uh, one meters behind them, and you have to split them in groups of two hundred at different parts of the stadium. So uh, they just uh, went up to six hundred from two hundred. When I first spoke to you, you told me that you're not just a fan of this one club, but many clubs. You told me also about uh, United, Man United. And uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, in uh, as uh, for very many people in Norway, English football is the great thing. That's yeah. what that's what's been shown on television since the sixties, and everyone grew up with watching the English teams. And for me, it became uh, Manchester United uh, that was my gateway to football, uh, you can say. But um, but in the later years and uh, before the because the seasons after uh, Alex Ferguson have been horrible, but all, also before that, uh, I started losing interest in uh, both in English football in general, but uh, also in United. Especially, I was it wasn't giving me as much as it uh, was before. 
every everything seemed to be about money and not about football and uh, yeah. sports. And also, I've been uh, you mentioned. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt has been the team I was following in Germany, Juventus in Italy, as uh, said. Uh, no, no, when the pandemic came, uh, there were there were almost no football. But in uh, Belarus, uh, the president insisted that the pandemic is no trouble for Belarus. We con- everything must continue. <laughs> so the Belarus league at one time was the only league in the world playing, I think. Uh, and I, I found out uh, I, then I have to find a team in Belarus to uh, keep an extra eye on. <laughs> uh, and since uh, I, Tromsø is my uh, team in Norway and it's the mo- northernmost team in the professional team, I decided to go for the northernmost club in Belarus, uh, Vitebsk. And they had an uh, okay season. They were playing somewhere in the middle of the table. I have to admit, after the other. Uh, leagues returned i've not been following them uh, as close <laughs> but uh, also uh, far away league from uh, this uh, small island nation uh, in the uh, ocean between norway and iceland they were starting up really early and one of the major Norwegian broadcasters bought the rights to showing their matches. And oh. they started with Fantasy League on uh, the internet and uh, everything was uh, totally crazy about the uh, Faroese uh, League uh, for a few weeks. But then uh, the Premier League restarted, the Norwegian League started and suddenly there were like uh, three people on Twitter uh, still uh, talking about the Faroese Leagues. <laughs> I found it interesting that you said that, you know, the commercialization of, of the game is something that made you... Was that one of the reasons why you got so interested in ground hopping and, and grassroots football? I think, yeah, I think those things were a bit interconnected. That It helped me go away from the money football that I had the alternative to go to. Uh, to see those uh, lower league uh, games and and see uh, and still watch football, even though I selected away another part of the football. Yeah, uh, and I know, and I know know uh, several other groundhoppers who feel the same. Mm. There was um, one guy uh, I've been uh, meeting at uh, several uh, stadiums in Norway who's been traveling quite a lot in. Uh, United Kingdom as well, and he originally was a Reading fan. And oh. when Reading, when Reading got promoted to the Premier League, I think early in the 2000s, he he just lost interest because everything was plastic, as he calls it. It was uh, no, uh, it didn't uh, have as much to do with real football anymore. That's a shame. I find myself growing through those kind of uh, <clears throat> emotions right now. Mm. You know, I, I support Arsenal as I told you last time, and uh, I was quite I was quite disturbed by the fact that you know fifty five people were lost their jobs. I don't know if if you've been following that bit of the news. Yeah, I picked up on the news, and uh, I, there was a quite interesting uh, talk about uh, the Gunnersaurus uh, case on uh, one radio program I was listening to uh, last weekend, where. Uh, they actually invited uh, one uh, a guy from the supporter club in Tromsø to talk about the Tromsø mascot, and they also had uh, 
a football show host uh, mm. to talk about mascots in general. And right. uh, it's uh, uh, it's such a shame that when these giant clubs are going to uh, cut costs, it's uh, not the costs of the players with yeah. their uh, multi-million salaries that yeah. gets cut. It's the ordinary working people who, uh, yeah. who uh, hardly earn enough for uh, host and bread. And you think that you know a club uh, of this stature would would have and 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 it's not just Arsenal. A lot of these a lot of these clubs are going through this at the moment. And I think they were in this situation even before the pandemic. The pandemic has just accelerated their uh, their need to do this. Um, mm. And I think we're seeing a lot more of it a lot sooner because of the pandemic. I think uh, uh, it's one thing for the top level clubs with. Uh, their multi-million budgets and uh, but uh, those uh, uh, for example in England I think there will be lots of uh, bankruptcies on the in League One and League Two in the third and fourth uh, level because uh, uh, those clubs have uh, they have quite quite high costs and when they uh, don't uh, get to have uh, people on their matches their things will be really tough. I have quite a few uh, scarves from different clubs. As a groundhopper, uh, uh, since the flag made me like a C-level celebrity <laughs> after going viral, uh, uh, sometimes when I visit a new place to watch a game, uh, if someone from the club administration recognizes me, they oh, are you here? Uh, it's uh, oh excellent hair. Uh, have our scarf as a brilliant as a present. So I have yeah. So I have uh, some uh, scarves. I have a video of it's a YouTube video. Uh, a guy um, took uh, of me playing at the hundred episode celebration of a Norwegian podcast, Piru and Pivo. Uh, and then I was playing a medley of uh, football songs. Wow. Some very well-known football tunes, both from England and other countries. Some uh, not so uh, familiar, but uh, this uh, Piro and Pivo broad podcast, they, uh, they focus a lot on uh, traveling uh, to watch football and at all levels and, uh, and have a a special love for Eastern European football. So I included a Romanian patriotic song that uh, the supporters at the national stadium often sing. Uh, I included the Serbian uh, national anthem and uh, some uh, and some Norwegian uh, songs. The most famous song of the team of the podcast host had to be included. And of course, the most famous song of uh, my team, Tromsø, uh, as well. Nice. Brilliant. I look forward to that. Marius, thank you once again for coming on yeah. Faraway Fan. I hope you had fun. It was great talking to you, man. It's been a yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I yes. hope you get out there again to watch some interesting football. And I wish you all the yeah. best. Thank you. Thanks, Marius. Bye. Yeah, goodbye.